0: Hopefully, you'll know what beat to clap on on this first song. Good God Almighty, I hope you. some broken like you do I get amnesia. I forget that you keep coming around. There's no way you ever let me down Good God Almighty, I hope you He's good. He's good. Tell me, is he God? He's God. He is good, Good God Almighty. Almighty. You say your love goes on forever, that your mercy never stops. So, why would I assume you'd be somebody that you Like the sun in the morning, you know you're gonna be there every day. Him in the noontime, praise Him when the sun goes down. Love Him in the morning, love Him in the noontime, love Him when the sun goes down. Good God Almighty, I hope You'll find me. Praise Your name no matter what comes. cause I know where I'd be without Your mercy. So I keep praying. Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime Jesus when the sun goes down Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime Jesus when the sun goes down
1: Reading is Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord.
0: I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies i raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief i raise a hallelujah my weapon is a melody i raise a hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna see in the middle of the storm, louder, louder. you Gonna hear. such a great, new new to us at least, Uh, it's been around a little while, it's got such uh, great lyrics to it, Uh, so take it in if you haven't heard it, lift it up to Him. Mm -hmm. is the lamb who was slain Holy, holy is he Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is he. Sing a new song to him who sits on. I will adore you. Clothed in rainbows of living color, flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder, blessing and honor, strength and glory power be, to you the only wise king. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Wonder at the mention of Your name, Jesus. Your name is power, breath, the living water. Such a marvelous name. You are my everything, and I will adore you.
1: God
0: of Jacob whose love endures through generations I know that you will keep your covenant. you are the God of love the one who opened up the eyes Oh, God, my God, I need you. Oh, God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh, rock, oh, rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. On your faithfulness, the God of men, whose favor us upon the day. I know it you
1: We, we look at this morning it's the it's, it's, it's the fullest, most complete passage in in the Bible on the blood of Jesus, uh, you know the, kind of the theology of the blood of Jesus, why Jesus shed his blood for us uh, and we, we see the importance of the lord's Supper uh, when we look at what's so important about Jesus' blood this morning. Uh, would you pray with me and then we'll open up scripture together. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for for loving us and Jesus, we thank you that your Lord, God, uh, Messiah. We thank you, God, that, dear Jesus, that you shed your blood for us on the cross. You gave your body for us on the cross. And Lord, as we uh, prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper later in the service, and as we look at your blood here, God, we pray that you would just you know, speak to us deeply, Lord Jesus. Um, transform our lives, change our life. Help us to know you more deeply. Uh, And speak through the reading of your word and the preaching of your word. Speak to each of us who are here today. We pray this in the name of Jesus and for his sake and God's people agreed. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for praying with me. Would you like to stand with me to honor the Lord? Uh, We've actually got a pretty full passage this morning. Uh, We're going to begin in Hebrews 9 with verse 11 and then read through the end of the chapter. It says, When Christ came as high priest of the good things that already are here, He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of goats and calves, but entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant." In the case of a will, it's necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is enforced only when someone has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to the people, he took the blood of calves together with the water scarlet wool and the branches of hyssop and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant, which God has commanded you to keep in the same way he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these, for Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence, nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would not have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So just as man is destined to die once and after that to face the judgment, so Christ's was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he'll appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Yeah, uh, please be seated. Think about our blood for a few moments. Uh, you know, we see the, the miracle of God's creation in our blood. Uh, we have eight to 12 pints of blood you know, flowing through our bodies at all times. Uh, we have three kinds of blood cells, red, white, platelets. Red blood cells are the most plentiful. and you know, Healthy adults have 35 trillion red blood cells. And, and think of this more in how God's created our bodies. Our, our bodies create two and a half million red blood cells every second. That's more than 200 billion a day. And on top of that, our bodies are producing 100 million white blood cells a day, 100 million platelets a day. You know, we see God's a master creator and our blood's so vitally important. It transports oxygen to our body. It transports nutrients throughout our body. It, it carries uh, cells and antibodies uh, throughout our bodies to fight infection when we're sick. Uh, it forms healthy clots when we get injured so, you know, we don't bleed excessively. And it, it carries, you know, waste products from our body to our liver, to our kidneys, and so that our, our blood comes out cleansed and healthy again. And our blood has a way of regulating our temperature so that it helps us cool off. It helps us warm up. And blood, blood's part of God's amazing creation. You know, blood's necessary for life. Uh, without blood, we die. And blood's that life force that's always flowing through our body. And if we, you know, we lose too much blood, we, we lose our lives. And doctors can determine so much about us in the state of our health through our blood. The doctors can confirm, you know, certain cancers in our blood or certain diseases through our blood. Or, you know, by blood tests, they can even determine what we've been putting in our body. If we've been eating, you know, too many fatty meats or if we've been eating too much sugar, all that's determined by our blood. And all this to say, our our blood's necessary for a healthy life. Our our blood's necessary for, for physical life. And then we 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 see when it comes to Jesus, His blood is necessary for spiritual lives. Um, our hymnals are, are filled with these great songs, you know, theological songs about Jesus's blood. You know, I, I grew up singing, you know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, there's power in the blood. Uh, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? The, these and so many more. And so this morning, let's, let, let's take a look at these these 18 verses to, to answer the question, what's so important about Jesus's blood? And so as we, as we answer the question, you know, we're, we're preparing our hearts for the Lord's Supper that we'll take at the end of the service. But, but more than that, we're, we're also looking at, you know, how does the blood of Jesus impact our spiritual lives? Not only in saving us, but, but how we live today and how, how we'll live for all eternity. <clears throat> and the, the, the message really Kind of the, the surveys, all 18 verses, but we'll particularly focus in on, on verses 11 through 14. So, so, three points this morning. You know, point number one, Jesus' blood is necessary for our sins to be forgiven. So, look at Hebrews 9, 12, and 14 again. It says, you know, Christ did not enter, and this, this is the, the heavenly temple. He didn't enter the heavenly temple by the means of a blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place, you know, what the the King James calls the holy of holies, once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Then then we move on to verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so we may serve the living God? you know, as we look through the pages of the Bible, you know, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see that, that God has this teaching running through the, the, the books of the Bible that, that all blood is sacred. So, we know how important it is physically, but, it, but blood is sacred spiritually too. And, and God connects the, the sacredness of life itself with the blood that flows through the bodies of, of us, through, flows through the bodies of, of even animals, and so Leviticus chapter seventeen, eleven. I believe of all the passages in the, New Test, uh, of the Old Testament, you know, it's the most important Old Testament passage that, that explains the importance of blood spiritually, the significance of blood spiritually. And, it, and it's hinting back at the, the Old Testament sacrifices, while also pointing forward to Jesus's sacrifice on the cross. And so speaking of the animal sacrifices of the Old Testament, it says, for the life of the creatures in the blood. And I've given it to you to make atonement on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. And when we think about atonement, you know, atonement has to do with the, with the forgiveness of our sins. And, and the picture here is, is as if God's, you know, he's, he's dug this great hole in the ground. And, he, and He's put all the sins of our lives in this hole, past, present, and future, all our sins. And then He's, rather than fill the hole up with dirt, He, he fills the hole up with, with blood with the blood of sacrificial animals in the Old Testament, and then, then the blood of Jesus today. And, the, and then, you know, the, the blood fills the hole. It covers over our sins so that, that God remembers our sins no more. He, he cast our sins as far as the, the east is from the west. That's an infinite line so that, you know, God doesn't hold our sins against us. He, he forgives our sins. And so, the, you know, the verse is telling us something about blood physically and spiritually. So, so physically, Leviticus seventeen eleven is telling us, you know, life's in the blood. You know, without blood, we we die. And then spiritually, um, Leviticus is telling us that, that blood must be shed for God to forgive our sins. And that's why God requires blood sacrifices for the forgiveness of our sins. And so, in Old Testament days, you know, it began in the tabernacle under Moses, and then in the days of Solomon, and pointing forward, you know, they transitioned from the tabernacle to the temple. But there's there's every day in the tabernacle, every day in the temple, they're they're offering blood sacrifices to God as a sign of our forgiveness, of the need of our forgiveness. And you know, it, it's thousands of years, so you know, I, I can't imagine the amount of animals that shed their blood for, their, for the forgiveness of the Old Testament people. It's got to be tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of, of animals that, that were sacrificed for the people's sins. And so, would, would you step back with me, you know, more than 2,000 years, you know, in your imagination to, uh, to Bible days? You, you, you go to the temple, you know, at least four times a year. You go to your synagogue every, you know, every weekend. But you go to the temple, you know, four times a year in Jerusalem to worship God. And there are sacrifices when you go to the temple. And so when you go to the temple, you bring an animal with you, unless you buy one there. You bring an animal with you and you bring your most perfect goat, your most perfect calf. Can't have any faults. It's your most perfect animal. And when you get to the temple, you give your animal to the priest to sacrifice for you. But when you do that, you lay your hands on the head of the animal. And this is a bit gruesome, but I mean, the animal literally has... It's throat cut. It's blood drained out as a sacrifice for your sins. So, so you're watching that. You're, you've got your animal. Your hand, hands on the animals um, that you're sacri- that that's being sacrificed to God. Blood probably gets on your hands, maybe on your clothes as you he come to worship God. And and, it is, and it is gruesome as gruesome and as horrible as that might seem, seem you know. It's, it's, it's a visual sign. It's a picture of the cost of forgiveness. You know, you know we, we tend in our culture to, to, um, to, don't, to not think sin is that big a deal. I think Christians, we, we, we take sin in a much bigger way, but our culture doesn't. I remember, you know, several years ago watching this, um, this television program on MTV about the, the seven deadly sins, and they were interviewing all these celebrities and movie stars, and they were like, well, they're not sin. Those things are fun. Let's do them you know, just, you know, just treating sin so, so flippantly. But, you know, sin's a big deal to God because sin separates us from God and sin separates us from, you know, from relationships with people we love. You know, sin, just, sin is just very messy, but it's also, you know, extremely costly because it always costs uh, the shedding of blood to bring forgiveness of our sins. And then if we move into the, to the New Testament, you know, building on this Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, you know, Hebrews 9.22 underlines this fact that, that a blood sacrifice is always necessary for God to forgive our sins. So, you know, looking at this verse again, it says, uh, the law, and you're know, referring to, you know, God's law in the Bible. The law requires that, that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. I can would you hear that again? You know, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. And so, you know, let's take a few minutes this morning. Let, let's see our our sins in the same way that God sees our sins. You know, God doesn't take sin lightly, but he but he loves us more than our sin. So. You know, our sins are so so serious to God, so terrible, so horrific, so despicable to our Holy God that, that a blood sacrifice is necessary for our sins to be forgiven. You know, our our sins are so terrible that there were tens of thousands of animals that are that are sacrificed day in and day out in the Old Testament temple. And and those weren't good enough. They were they were incomplete. That's why they had to be offered day in and day out, year after year. And so God God sends Jesus to shed His blood for our sins. So, um, in Old Testament days, those, the, the blood of animals was a, you know, picture of the seriousness of sins. And then Jesus comes and dies on the cross once, <laughs> does away with all the animal sacrifices by, by shedding his blood because Jesus offers the final once for all sacrifice for our sins. And so that, that whole temple system of sacrifices is, 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 is no longer needed when Jesus offers his, his body on the cross, when he sheds his body on the cross. Uh, if you go to Israel today, I've only been once, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome experience if you get to, you know, spend a week on a Holy Land tour. If you ever get to do it, I'd say do it. it. It's wonderful. But when you go to the Holy Land today, when you go up on on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, um, instead of the Jewish Temple sitting there, there are two Muslim mosques that sit there. You know the the in the Wailing Wall. You know the prayer wall is is still there. That's the only part of the temple that's there. But you know those the, those those Muslim mosques are just you know a reminder that you know, Jesus paid it all. The temple sacrifices are are not needed anymore, so the the temple's not there anymore. So, you know, our bodies become uh, the temple of God as as Christ lives within us through His Holy Spirit as He's died on the cross and been raised from the dead. So, let's take a couple of moments now as as we kind of just survey these verses uh, to, to see how, you know, God used blood sacrifices in, in the Old Testament days to, to grant us forgiveness of sins. Uh, you know, of all the great events that God does with his people in the Old, in the old Testament days, uh, the, the greatest event, perhaps, is the Passover. It's, it's the tenth, the, the final, you know, plague in which God leads the Hebrew people out of slavery in, uh, from Egypt and then into the Promised Land. And, and during the, the Passover celebration, the first one, and and, and the, God told the people to to slaughter a lamb. Every family was to slaughter a lamb, and then they were to take the the, the, the blood of the lamb and, and smear it on the doorpost of their homes. And the blood of these lamb signifies, you know, the cost of Israel's deliverance, the Hebrews' deliverance from slavery in Egypt. And so, you know, when John the Baptist sees Jesus and points his disciples to Jesus, he says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, you know, the Passover lamb. Jesus is the, the perfect Passover lamb. And so Jesus sheds his blood. We're not, you know, we're not delivered from slavery in Egypt, but, you know, Jesus shed his blood to deliver us from a slavery from sin. Jesus shed his blood to deliver us from eternal spiritual death. Jesus shed his blood to, to deliver us from an eternity in hell. When Moses institutes the, the old covenant spoken of in these verses, and it's, a, it's, a, it's the covenant between God and his people. And God makes the covenant and the people agree to it. And, and the, the blood of bulls is shed. And, and back in those days when people made a covenant, if there was almost always the shedding of blood. And the, the, the literal words in the Old Testament are, is not to make a covenant, but literally it's to cut a covenant. And what they would do so often is they would take an animal, even if people were making a covenant agreement with one another. You know, they would take an animal and literally cut it in two, and then separate the animals. They're cutting a covenant, separating the pieces of the animal. And so, if I'm you're making a covenant with me, that would mean you would walk between those severed animals, and then I would follow you walking between those severed animals, and and the commitment would be. I will keep this covenant, so help my life. And if I don't keep this covenant or or you don't keep this covenant, may you be like those severed animals. And so that, you know, the people were brought up with in that culture that they made those kind of blood covenants with one another. And so God, God at times made blood covenants with his people. In the Old Testament under Moses, in the New Testament with Jesus Christ. And so, in, in the Old Testament, what's spoken of here in, in our passage in Hebrews nine is going back to to Exodus chapter twenty four, uh, when Moses makes uh, that first covenant with the people. Uh, the blood of young bulls is shed, and in the ceremony, Moses you know splashes this blood of bulls on on the the altar where. The sacrifice for sin was made. And then something that's really very surprising, what Moses does next, is he takes a, you know, a branch full of small leaves and he dips it in this blood. And then you're, if you're one of the worshipers, he's, he's doing this with the blood. He's, he's sprinkling all the, the, the blood of these bulls on the people. And it was a reminder to the people that to making a covenant serious business. When God makes a covenant with with us, it's serious business. That's why blood is shed. When when God forgives us, it's serious business. It's costly. That's why blood is shed. And all this, you know, points forward to Jesus Christ and the the, the cost of of our forgiveness with Jesus. His blood is shed. And God's God's forgiveness is is always costly. The forgiveness of sin is always costly. You know, whether it's the, the tens of thousands of animals in the Old Testament and all, all these people bringing their most perfect animals to, to be sacrificed to God. And then the New Testament, you know, think about the, the cost. You know, it costs the life of Jesus, God's most perfect, holy, sinless son. You know, I believe, you know, if I had to you know, I could give my life for the people I love the most, but I, I, I can't conceive of, we've got an only son, as God has an only son, I can't conceive of giving my son for anybody. You know, it, it's, it's just not within our nature. We don't, we don't, we protect our children. You know, if you're, if, you know, I, I think God's hardwired men especially were, we're protectors and we're providers. You know, I think both husbands and wives, moms and dads both, both have that hardwired in them. But I think especially men are hardwired that way, that we're to protect and we're to provide. But, you know, God, as he protects and provides for us, he, he provides forgiveness for us through the life of his son, through the blood of his son, through the death of his son. It's, a, it, it's the greatest gift that we can receive. Jesus, he, he brings in the new covenant and he brings it in you know, the, through his last supper, through the, the last supper, which was a Passover meal, which Jesus translates our, our, into the, the Lord's Supper, fulfills it into the Lord's Supper. And so Jesus reminds us, of his shed blood every time we take up the Lord's Supper. And so in the very first Lord's Supper, Matthew 26, 28, Jesus says, you know, as he holds up the cup signifying his blood, he said this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus, is, uh, Jesus sacrifices his life to take away all our sins. You know, Hebrews nine twenty eight says, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. You know, all who uh, make Jesus Lord of their life. He He'll appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to all those who are waiting for Him. So when we, when we take of the Lord's Supper, you know we're we're remembering Jesus. We're we're thanking Jesus for for shedding His blood. But, we're, but we also look forward to his return. There'll be that, that ultimate supper, that, that ultimate fellowship meal in heaven, which, you know, Reverend, Revelation talks about the marriage feast of the Lamb in which we'll, we'll sit down with our Lord and, and celebrate this great fellowship meal in heaven. Jesus' blood has awesome power, supernatural power. By shedding his blood for us, Jesus offers us forgiveness. By shedding his blood, he offers us a, a right relationship with God. By shedding his blood, he offers us eternal life. And Jesus... Jesus's blood has such awesome power that it enables Jesus to forgive all our sins. No matter how many our sins are, no matter how evil our sins are, um, Jesus forgives all our sins by his shed blood. And this brings us to, uh, you know, point number two. You know, Jesus's blood alone redeems us. So we look back at verse 12 and it's the second half of verse 12. It says, you know, Christ entered the most holy place you know, once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. You know, at, outside of church, um, I don't think we use the words redeem and redemption a whole lot. You know, that's, you know, it's become very much a, you know, a, a spiritual, uh, spiritual terms for us. So I remember when I was a teenager, we, got, we had a gift for our parents um, for Christmas, and it was a, a light and a light for the home we bought, and the light was not made correctly, so it, it just wouldn't work, so you know brought it back to the store and I remember brought it back with a receipt, and as they gave me the money back in cash, they stamped the receipt redeemed <laughs> and, and you know, I thought about passages like that you know as i 'm nineteen or twenty when I bring that Christmas present back, redeemed you know that that defective product was, was bought back with a price. And so, you know, Jesus redeems us. He, he pays the price of our sins. He pays uh, the price of our forgiveness by his blood. And in, in Bible days, redemption, you know, originally referred to a, to a ransom price paid to free a slave. And so Jesus pays the ransom price of, of his blood to, to free us from slavery to sin, so that our, our sins are not held against us, so we can be in relationship with God, or our sins are not held against us, so that we live eternity with God. And Revelation 5.9 says this, speaking of Jesus, you know, with your blood you purchase people. You know, his his blood was the the, the price he paid. You know, 1 Peter 1.19 says, you, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. And then Hebrews 10.10, 10, add one more verse on top of that, says, Uh, we've been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once for all. And Jesus paid it all. He gave his life once for all. Uh, No more blood sacrifices are needed. And and this brings us to to point three, that Jesus's blood transforms us. Jesus is never in the business of, of forgiving us and saving us and then leaving us like we are you know, sometimes our lives really feel a mess. You know, we can feel anxious and discouraged and and depressed. Jesus doesn't want to leave us that way. He wants to transform us. And sometimes our, our lives can be really messy because we, you know, we may have made bad choices. We may have sinned. We may have done some things to really mess up our relationship with God and others, but Jesus wants to transform us and transform the, the hurt and the pain, the relationships. She, Jesus is always in the process of trying to take us from, from broken, sinful people into people who know him more and more, who love him more and more, and serve him more and more, and are, and are like him more and more. And so, you know, verse 14 tells us, uh, again, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences, from acts that lead to death that we may serve the living God. So so when Jesus saves us, He He changes us. He, he cleanses us. You know, the, the verse here says He He cleanses our consciences. But beyond that, He He cleanses and cleans our hearts. He 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 changes our thought lives. He cleans up our thought life. He He cleanses and cleans up our language. He 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 changes our actions. You know, He changes our lives and you know, eventually changes our eternities. So Hebrews 10:14 says you know because by one sacrifice Jesus has made perfect forever those who have been made holy. And so G- the blood of Jesus makes us perfect. And you know we certainly aren't perfect on this side of eternity. But what Jesus is pointing forward to the time in which he'll return when we will be made perfect. And even though we're we're not perfect on this side of eternity, how uh, Jesus is in the process of uh, making us over, making us into new people, making us into, uh, in, literally into His images. Second Corinthians tells us so. Uh, and to be, to be made over, to be more and more like Jesus, uh, it's a process. It's lifelong. It begins the moment you get saved. It's complete the moment you get to heaven. And we're saved by grace through faith. It, it's there's no work in getting saved. God just gives it to us as a gift, and we have to receive it. But to, but to grow in our relationship with Christ is a lot of work. You know, the scriptures say, work out your salvation. It's not automatic. You know, you, you see some people get saved, you know, say at, as a teenager, and then you, you see them in their 70s and 80s, and, and they're still a baby Christian. They, they've just never grown in Christ. Then you see other people get saved, and you see a lot of growth throughout their life. And it's because... We have to live under the lordship of Jesus. We have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who lives in our hearts. You know, that's why we pray. (laughs) That's why it's so important to get into scripture every day. That's why it's important to to gather together with other Christians to study scripture. That's why it's important to, to gather together to worship. That's why it's important to... To hang out together, spend time together, fellowship together—you know—we we 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 sharpen one another that way. That's that's why it's important to to serve together. You know, all these kinds of things and more—you know—help us grow up in our in our salvation. Help us work out our salvation, as the Bible says, so that we we grow more and more in our relationship with God. Uh, I love the the verses, uh, like First John seven says, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. You know, sin doesn't have to control us. Sin doesn't have to, to, to stain our souls. You know, in Revelation 1.5, Jesus has freed us from sins by his blood. You know, you know some sins can really grab a hold of us and have an addictive kind of control over us. That's why, you know, addictions are so hard to break. You know, some sins are, are so hard to break. You know, it might be something like alcohol or a drug, or it may be something is, you know, smaller like cleaning up your language or cleaning up your thought life. You know, some sins are just hard to break. They've got that addictive quality. But here, you know, Jesus paid the price to, to free us from sin. You know, sometimes it's, it's a lot of work for us to break free of those addictive kinds of sins, but Jesus has forgiven us. Jesus wants to empower us to break free of those kinds of sins. So as we, we get ready for the Lord's Supper in a few moments, think of the tremendous supernatural power in Jesus' blood. There's life-giving, soul-saving, life-transforming blood in the, uh, our life-transforming power in the precious blood of Jesus. So by His blood Jesus forgives us. By his blood, Jesus brings us into a relationship with God, a right relationship. By his blood, Jesus gives us eternal life. And by his blood, Jesus works in our lives day by day, changing us, transforming us. Uh, as I prepared the message, I, I thought about the, the words of that great old hymn, Nothing But the Blood. You know, that was one of the songs we, we, uh, me and my brother chose on those uh, Sunday night, fifth Sunday hymn sings you know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So in the Lord's Supper, you know, Jesus um, asks us two times to remember him, to remember his body given on the cross for our sins, to, to remember his blood poured out for our sins. And so 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five 25 says, in the same way after the supper, Jesus took the cup saying, you know, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So as we, we share in the Lord's supper, we want to remember Jesus's body and remember his blood. Yeah. Before we, we take of the Lord's Supper, um, would you uh, proclaim with me what we believe? Uh, I believe we have slides for the the Apostles' Creed. I, I like the Apostles' Creed because it dates back to, to 140 AD. It's the, the, the earliest, the most ancient um, Christian confession of faith, and it's it's brief it's compact it's succinct it's what we believe in 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 the essence what we believe in of the theology of the bible so three questions if you'll respond with me what do we believe about god the father we believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth what do we believe about jesus christ we believe in jesus christ the only son our lord who is conceived by the holy spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. And what do we believe about the Holy Spirit and his work? We believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Would you all ready your hearts with me to receive the Lord's Supper? Uh, Austin is going to be uh, leading the Lord's Supper table along with uh, our our deacons, Joe and George, this morning. So if Austin, Joe, and George will will come up, let's pray as we prepare our hearts. Uh, Dear Jesus, uh, we thank you for giving your body, giving your blood on the cross, God. Jesus, we, we recognize you as our, as, our, as our mighty God. Thank you for giving yourself for us. And Lord, we, we don't want to remain the same. Well, we, we want to be forgiven. We want to be transformed. We want to be more like you. So help us re- remember your body and blood and we also, you know, remember the words of the Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 11 that we need to examine ourselves before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so, Lord, as we, as we pray and as we ready ourselves to take the bread and the cup, Lord, just help us to examine our lives. Lord, cleanse us of any sin that is holding us back. Cleanse us of any area in which we're resisting you today. Lord, cleanse us in in any area where where, we're pushing you away. Lord, cleanse us of broken relationships with you as well as broken relationships with others. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Oh